Hi listeners, you're welcome to Family Alive Ministry, aka FAM. God began the world with a family, and it must be our goal to maintain that plan. A godly family will produce a godly world. We hope as you listen to this message, the vision to restore God's plan in families will be impressed on your heart. Now, today's message. Uh, so today, I, I just want to leave you a word. I want to bring you greetings from Ephesus. Greetings from Ephesus. Uh, the book of Ephesians is uh, what I consider to be a complete masterpiece for the New Testament church. Uh, in this book, Paul seeks to address so many things in order to establish the believer in the faith. Uh, this is the book where we are told that we are saved by grace yes. through faith and not of works. And in this book, he goes to establish all of the blessings of God to the believer, your identity, your position in Christ, your union in Christ, and the fact that Jesus Christ, through his atoning death, has completed everything that concerns you with your redemption. So the first three chapters is that it establishes the blessings that comes to the believer. And in the last three chapters, chapters 4, 5, and 6, it gives us practical things that we should be involved with or do to confirm that we are in the faith. Amen? And most of everything he says in those chapters 4, 5, and 6, you can sum up in one word, and that is relationships. In other words, everything that Christ has done for us will be lived out in one relationship or the other. And Paul goes on to address five different relationships. I'm not talking about that. I'm just giving an overview because the official church is greeting you this morning. <laughs> okay. He talks about our interaction with our neighbors, our interactions with other believers. He talks about uh, parental relationships. He talks about marital relationships. And then he talks about workplace relationships. So the church at Ephesus was a very complete church. But in Revelation chapter 2, in verse 4, God speaks to this complete church a word that shook me. He says to them in Revelation chapter 4 that they should return to their first works. Very, very significant. We're going to get to that in a minute. So in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, the Bible says, For by grace we are saved through faith, and not of works. It's a gift of God, lest any man should boast. And for so long, that gospel of God's grace has created so much, shall I say, controversy. Some say grace is fine, others say it's not. And we are struggling. And even for those that accept and believe in God's grace, there are differences all around. But I believe if the Ephesians church can speak to us this morning, and I believe they are, there's something they will be saying and screaming out loud. And we're going to get to that in a minute. But I just want to say to you initially that before you can really fully, or rather, Part of the reason for which we struggle when it comes to God's grace is because we've not fully understood other elements of the grace. 
So when Paul says in Ephesians 2 that we are saved by grace, we can refer to that as the special saving grace of God. By grace are you saved through faith. That's a special saving grace of God. But the reason many of us grapple, Pastor Nee, in understanding the special grace of God is because we have omitted and not understood the common grace of God. You see, there is a common grace of God that comes before God's special grace. This became so obvious to my wife and I who were in UAE in August. We were in Abu Dhabi precisely. And <laughs> I was telling her and the other preacher that was with us, we saw so many Maseretis, Ferraris, I mean, all the cars you see in magazines <laughs> that you just only see in magazines. I saw in 10 days all of those cars that I've seen in 40 years living in the United States. And then not only that, you go up and down the city, Pastor Roderick, the tranquility that greets you, the sense of peace that's all over the place. And they have a vision that they write in every public place of their collaborative effort, their tolerance with one another, and the acceptability of everybody. And I'm saying to myself, look, it's like I'm walking in the Bible. Everywhere around us. And so we began to talk among ourselves. I said, what do you mean? These guys are all Muslims. How can you be in a Muslim nation and feel what we're feeling, seeing what we're seeing? And we became very, we, we, we just said, Wait a minute, some, what's going on? And we said to one another, all the great prosperity preachers of America, will not, they will not last there. Because you have no message. Everybody's driving around in Maseratis, in Mercedes-Benzes, in Lexuses. What are you going to give them? They, 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 they got everything. So we we're just crashing our heads and saying, what do you mean? What's going on? And then it occurred to me, through the scriptures, about God's common grace, which simply is God's goodness, that God shows to people regardless of their relationship with him or their faith in him. Let, 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 I'm going to say that again. The goodness of God, that God showers on all people. Let me take your words your, 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 from Liberia to Jamaica. <laughs> the goodness that God showers on all people, regardless of whether they have a relationship with him Believe in him or have any faith in him. Wow. This is what Jesus was saying in Matthew chapter 5, verse 45. When he says, God causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good. He, he, he gives rain to, both to, to the just and the unjust. Same God. This grace, this common grace is all around us all of the time. We just don't pay any attention to it. But once you start paying attention to it, you can appreciate special grace. Because all of a sudden you realize that the God of special grace, before we knew him as a God of special grace, had already revealed himself as a God of common grace. The Bible says every good gift.
and every perfect gift. They come from above, from the Father of lights, in whom there's no variableness, neither the shadow of turning. So when I say Michael Jordan, or Michael Jackson, or Justin Bieber, or Taylor Swift, all of these men and women that we see on TV and magazines, and we see them perform, you realize that every good gift <laughs> and every they come from God has the gift that these men and women may pervert the gift, but the originator of all gifts is God. Luke six thirty five says, "God gives gifts to the righteous and to the ungrateful and evil people." So while only Christians are recipients of God's special or saving grace, every human is a constant recipient of God's common grace. Man, when you think about it, God sends rain to Mother Teresa and to Adolf Hitler. Think about it. So common grace reminds us that God doesn't do good to us because we are good. But it does good to us because he is good. So as we walked around in Abu Dhabi, we, 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 got, we, we got confused. We almost got even angry. That's, wait a minute, what is going on? How can these people have so much? And they're Muslim nation. And then I found it in scripture. In Psalm 73. In verses 1 through 5. It says, and this is from Asaph, who was a priest or worship leader in Israel. He said, truly God is good to Israel. To such as are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. That's what happened to us. Every Maserati that went on, they said, wait, Maserati, wait, wait a minute. Ferrari, well, I mean, before you can look at Ferrari, you come around, you see another one, and say, wow, what's going on in this place? Okay? For there, there are no pangs in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, nor are they plagued like other men. Their eyes bulge with abundance. They have more than heart could wish. Behold, these are the ungodly, who are always at ease, they increase in riches. Surely I've cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocence. For all day long I have been plagued and chastened every morning. So he was complaining. He said, wait a minute, what's going on? And then when you read the rest of that, pa uh, of that passage, he said, until he went to the sanctuary. Okay? So the bottom line is, when you get the revelation of who God is, you understand that yes, God has given common grace to all men. And I'm in Africa today. I'm in Ghana now. And I thank God you guys have made tremendous progress. I tell people in church in Atlanta, knees here. I turn to all the other African nations in the church. I tell them to co compare what God is doing in Ghana to what God has done, to what the devil is doing in their nations. <laughs> the devil is not here. This is, this is God's headquarters in Africa. I, I hope you know that. <laughs> no, seriously. But this is the point I'm making. When you go to Japan, which was almost destroyed during the World War, when you go to South Korea, 
and who was almost also destroyed and got its independence in 1957, the same year as Ghana. And you go to Vietnam, that was ravaged with, with the war with the United States. And you go to Singapore, you go to all these nations, Singapore in particular, Vietnam, godless, they serve Buddha, Buddhist, Thailand. All these nations are very developed. Without God, every Friday night in Accra, in Nigeria, vigils are going on all over the place. People are praying, they are blowing tongues. But at the end of our praying, we go back to the ravages of our nations. Still undeveloped. Nothing is changing. Why? Because we have not fully embraced common grace. Prayer brings you into the realm of revelation. You pray, God opens your eyes, you see certain things. Or he opens your ears, you hear certain things. But after seeing and hearing, what are you doing with it? This is what South Korea has developed. And it's no longer put in the category of third world nations. Singapore is developed. There are no Christians there. But they pray, they hear, and they act. Africans are praying, but not acting. And we wonder why things have not changed. I found this in the scripture the other day. Uh, let, let me read it to you in the Living Bible. Mark 4, verses 24 and 25. Now, let, let me tell you, when I came back from Abu Dhabi, I was, so, I was so confused by what I saw. And I'm saying we were debating among ourselves. I said, wait a minute. These guys demonstrate what we can call the fruit of the Spirit in loving and caring and kindness. I said, but they don't have the Spirit. How can, they, how can that happen? And I got to open my eyes. Mark 4, verse 24. I'm reading it for clarity from the Living Bible. It says, and be sure to put into practice what you hear. Yeah. Did, did you see that? Yeah. The very first sentence. Be sure to put into practice what you hear. We are hearing things and not practicing it. No application. Singapore, Korea, Japan. Like if I was to go to your house now, I'll find a lot of Japanese goods. <laughs> I find a lot of South Korean goods. LG, Samsung, Hyundai, Kia. Hello? Am I talking to somebody? Your houses are full of them. The Bible says, be sure to put into practice what you hear. Now watch this. The more you do this, the more you will understand what I tell you. So African nations are lavishing in underdevelopment and poverty because they are not practicing what they hear. And God is saying, when you practice what I'm showing you, then your understanding will increase. Verse 25 says, To him who has shall be given. From him who has not shall be taken away even what 
that he has. <laughs> this is the plight of Africa, except for Ghana. <laughs> no, but, see, but, but, but does it make sense to you? So Singapore, Japan, South Korea, Vietnam, Thailand, they are not better than us. They don't even know God. But you know what, what they have? The little light God gave them, they establish systems and processes to activate. Systems and processes. So we pray. Hey, hallelujah. They say, so your seeds, you give 10 CDs, you give 20 CDs, but you have nothing to produce anything. And you think God will bring manna from heaven and your, in, your pocket will just bulge. That's, that's been a magician. God is not a magician. You have to put systems and processes in place for God to use as an avenue to prosper you. So, we are still bringing greetings from Ephesus. <laughs> Let me go to John chapter 3, verse 16 through 18. This is a very common familiar scripture. John chapter 3 verses 16 through 18. Let's put that on the screen for me if you will. Thank you very much. I want to show you this because I want you to see how God has so designed things and I was blown away just this last month. I saw the common grace and special grace in one verse of scripture. Watch this. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, we read that, we've read that over and over and over, and you know, you know it by heart. But do you know that in that verse of scripture that you see both the common grace and the saving grace? For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Common grace. Common grace. Jesus was not given to the church. For God so loved the world from Liberia to Jamaica. <laughs> For God so loved the world, the world, including the UAE, the whole world. He gave Jesus for the whole world, whether they believe in him or not, for the whole world. Common grace. That whoever believes in him should not perish. Special grace. That whosoever believe in him should not perish. Saving grace. So what am I saying? It is God's intention that the common grace of God should lead you to the saving grace of God. Because the Bible said the goodness of God leads men to repentance. When you see his goodness, oh my God, how God woke you up this morning, how he put life in your body, how he gave you sight to see, he gave you things to do, he gave you blessings that you know you did not deserve. Be the goodness of God to you, she said, man, there must be a God. I'm moving to seek him out. So the common grace should lead us to saving grace. I was in a meeting last month. I was uh, talking to uh, Shinach. Is that her name, Shinach? Yeah, that's the lady that sings. I mean, she, she had one of those 
uh, uh, songs that blessed me for years. So we, have, we happened to be in the same meeting. Uh, she was leading praise and worship in the meeting where I was speaking. So I had a chance to sit with her after the meeting. We were just talking. And each of her popular songs, I tell, tell me the story about this song. <laughs> because I know many songs come to you guys by inspiration. There will be something that's happening and then God gives you the song. So I said to her, the song, I know who I am. I said, can you tell me, tell me what happened with that song? What, what, what was the circumstance that led you and gave birth to that song? It's amazing. She was able to tell me the place, the time. It was in South Africa, 2011, 2012. She was, you know, in a place and she said to me, said, Pastor, when we talked about God's grace, I've come to find out that the love of God, she, she said for her, the, 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 the grace issue was settled when she understood the love of God. And the point I'm making here is, by grace have we saved, through faith. Okay? For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. The essence of grace, at the end of the day, is that love is the engine that drives grace. If you want to understand grace, understand love. If you don't understand love, you will not fully appreciate grace. Love is the engine that drives grace. And so, greetings to you from Ephesians this morning. Take me to that scripture, Revelation chapter 2, verse 4, quickly. Revelation 2, 4. Hallelujah. Thank you. Jesus commended this church. And when he got to verse 4, he says, Nevertheless, I have this against you. That you have less left your first love. Now, again, <laughs> and I, I don't mean to bore you guys with all these travel tips. My wife and I had a chance to be at Ephesus in May. Actually, we've been there about three times because it's such an intriguing uh, city, intriguing book. So, so we go there. And so the first time we went there, I, was, I went there with this expectation this masterpiece book that Paul had written, Ephesus. Why are we going to Ephesus? Let's go see what Paul left at Ephesus. Only to get there and you will not find a semblance of a church left. You will not even find a name of a church anywhere at Ephesus. All you have left are relics and ruins. True story. Man, I scratched my head. I said, how can this be? And don't forget the title of this message. Greetings, greetings to you from where? Ephesus. Because I see a lot of similarity from reading the book of Ephesians and what God has done here at Family Life. That's why they want to greet you this morning. So we ask ourselves, how can this happen? Paul spent three years at Ephesus teaching day and night. Not only did Paul teach there, Apollos, after Paul, pastored at Ephesus. Not only did Apollos pastor there, Timothy also what? Pastored at Ephesus. I mean, these are heavyweights. These are heavyweights of the New Testament. Now, as if that was not good enough, 
John, the apostle of love, also came there and pastored there. So if you talk about teaching, they had it. If you talk about prominence, they had it. If you're talking about abundance, they had it. We just sang about abundance a minute ago. The grace of God was so manifested there, they were the church in town. It's like coming to Accra and say, hey, listen, where's where the church in Accra? I want to have a good service. Where do you go to farm alive? <laughs> they were the church. So I had a high expectation that I'll find something. Nothing. We just saw what Jesus said to them. The last mention of Ephesians was in Revelation 2.4. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Now, in Ephesians chapter 6, in verses 23 and 24, reading from the New Living Translation, it says, Peace be with you, dear brothers and sisters, and may God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you love with faithfulness. Then he closes and says, may God's grace be eternally upon all who love our Lord Jesus Christ. So the apostle in finishing his letter to this church at Ephesus ended it on love. He ended it on love. And then Jesus came back to them. The last say that Jesus had to, for them. You return to your first love. Wow. What is going on here? You see, for many of us, when we talk about first love, we're thinking about the first time we fell in love with our spouses. And some of you with your bow. You know what I mean by your bow? Ah, okay. With your Prince Charming, if you will. Don't let Prince Charming deceive you. Don't, don't just look at his face and what on his income. You better, you better hear something else besides. <laughs> First love, for me, for me personally, initially when I saw that in the scriptures years ago, I thought first love was, oh my God, when I first got born again. I was on fire for Jesus. Man, God returned me to that first born again experience. Where the fire just burns. Anything, anywhere, I'm ready to go. Jesus, let's go. Or, Chris, said, God, my first love, the day I first saw this commissioner. Man, restore me back to that first feeling. When she'll tell me to go to Tema, I'll just, I can walk to Tema. I won't, I, I won't even think about it. I'm so in love. I'll be, hey, listen, hey, where do you want me to go? I, I'm ready to go. I really fully thought that, that was what it meant. But looking at the scriptures, it doesn't mean returning to how we love Jesus at the beginning any more than it means returning to how we loved our spouses at the beginning. No. When Jesus told them they left their first love, that word or that phrase, first love, if I can borrow from Pastor uh, Nee, the champion of Greek, it means protos agape. Am I correct, sir? Absolutely. Oh, he said I'm correct. <laughs> first love means protos agape. What he was saying to them, 
And what the church at Ephesus is saying to you today in their greetings to you is that you should not make the mistake they made. The mistake they made that caused them to totally disappear from the face of the earth. A church that was so blessed, that was rich in abundance and grace and prosperity and wealth and gifted, suddenly completely disappeared. So they're saying, we are greeting you, fam, because we don't want you to make the mistake we made. What was their mistake? They abandoned their protos agape, their first love. First, there is not, it's talking about chief, which means the love that precedes something else. It's a preceding love. First John 4, 19. We love God because he first, first, that's the same word, protos, protos, protos. First loved We love God because God first loved us. So the first love is not my love for God. The first love is not how much I love God. No! You cannot love God if you do not get a revelation of God's love for you. So the first love is going back to the place where God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for caring for me. Thank you for having my back. Thank you for your love over me. Your banner over me is love. That's why we've missed it. We are praying, God, I want to love you. Oh, God. Wrong prayer. Yes, I understand your intention. You want to love God more. That's true. But the only way to love God more is first receiving more. You cannot give what you don't have. You must first receive the love of God. <laughs> and the way you know how much God's love you received is by how much you love. Do you understand what I just said? If you find yourself flailing or lagging in love, your love is waning, your love is diminishing. What you need to do is not to pray to receive more love, to give more love, no. You're not praying, God, help me to love. No, you need to pray, God, help me to see the manifestation of love towards me. Because once you receive it, you can give it. Freely you've received, freely you can give. But you cannot give what you don't have. So the Ephesians church got so blessed as you are getting blessed. They got so established as God is establishing you. They got so prominent as you. We have prominence that we reign out of Accra into the regions beyond. They got all those things and after a while they began to think they did it. They began to think, ah, <laughs> yes, I have Pastor Bank. Yeah, I have the word. I have the worship. I have the prayer. I have what it takes. I have the wisdom. Ah, we are doing it. Ah, have you heard about us? Hey, hey, we are the prominent ones. Oh, hey. If you come to Accra, you don't come here. You miss. Oh, hey. you, you, they began to think they were the engine that's making it happen. So they took their eyes of the love of God towards them and began to emphasize the love among themselves apart from the love of God. That was their undoing. That's the reason. This is the... I, I know Paul teaches us in 1 Corinthians 13 about God, God's love. 
But in Ephesians 4, he broke it down properly. When he prayed for them, one of Paul's major prayers in Ephesians chapter 3 was that they should know the love of God that surpasses knowledge. And that they be rooted and grounded in that love. Let me tell you a story. I know a man out of New Zealand who loves blueberries very much. He loves blueberries so much, he went and bought some blueberry seeds and planted them in his garden. So you can have a constant supply without going to the store. The only problem is, year after year, the blueberry failed. It didn't grow. He just got so frustrated. Ah, why is this not growing? So finally, it dawned on him. He went back to the store and asked the growers in the store, what do I need to do in order to get good crop for my blueberry planting? So they told him, the blueberry is very unique and that it only grows in drainy, acidic uh, soil. And that therefore, they gave him strawberry soil to be the, uh, to, for him to plant the blueberries in. And sure enough, he took the thing back home, planted new blueberries in the strawberry soil, boom, and all of a sudden, blueberries are coming out. Wow. What am I saying to you? What strawberry is to blueberry is what love must be to you in order for it to grow. You will not grow to your full potential in God unless you understand and appreciate God's love for you. God's love for you is the fertilizer that causes your spiritual growth. That's it. Because it's his love. You see, out of his love, it is out of his love that is giving you everything that pertains to life and godliness. So he wants you to major, majorly on his love. Receiving it afresh every day. Father, I thank you for loving me. I thank you for your vast love. It is in Ephesians that Paul defines the depth, the height, the length, and the width of the love of God. Why do you think he's doing that? He's not wasting words. It's trying to show you how much God loves everybody. And in particular, how much he wants you to realize how much he loves you. Now, I'm about to bring this to a close. But I want you to remind you again and again and again that our love to God flows and is always a response to his love for us. God is the love source. Isn't it amazing that Apostle John, the one that wrote the Gospel of John, five times in the book of John, John refers to himself as the one whom Jesus loves. Isn't that a strange language? For me to come to you, Napoleon, and say, I'm the one that uh, Pastor Rod loves. That's a strange language to use. I'm the one Chris loves. But John, five times, five times in his gospel, among the disciples, I'm the one Jesus loves. No, so here, today, I don't know about you guys, but here, as we're here now, I'm the one Jesus loves. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> but five times, he must be onto something to say that. Because in John chapter 11, Lazarus got sick and ultimately died. And when he sent a message to Jesus, 
They did not say, Jesus, come to Lazarus because he's your friend. They said, Jesus, Lazarus, whom you love. The calling card was not how much Lazarus prayed. It wasn't how much he fasted. It wasn't how many scriptures he could quote. What touched Jesus' heart was the fact that they said, Ah, oh, Lazarus, whom you love, is sick. In other words, when you find yourself in a hard place, God, bank whom you love. I need you right now. <laughs> bank, God, Jesus, bank is in a hard place. I don't know how to get out of this mess. But one thing I do know, you love this bank. <laughs> and therefore, love is on the way to deliver me. Simple. Why is it so hard for us to receive the love of God? Why is it so hard for us to receive the love of God? Number one, God's love is hard to receive because God is not physically present. For some reason, out of sight, out of mind. Or out of mind, out of sight. It's not here physically. So, for many of us, it's just difficult. Number two, God's love is hard to receive because we confuse it with human love. This is a biggie. Because you see, our homes or our families is the first place where we should learn love. That's where God created everything. In a human family unit. He places a father and a mother in our home. And it is in that environment, that atmosphere, that we first learn love. So if you are raised in a home where your father betrayed your mother's love, or your mother betrayed your father's trust, or your parents were harsh and tough and, and, and stoic and not caring, right as a child, you begin to develop the, the feeling that God does not love you. I just came from Sierra Leone. And at the graduation, at the T3 graduation in Sierra Leone, a man got up to testify. He said that during the pandemic, he lost 16 family members. 16 in one month, by the way. In one month, Abby. In one month. 16 of them. And so, he said, so he said for him, he said, there is no God. And there was a pastor that was sharing and witnessing to him. He said he didn't want to hear anything. He didn't want to hear anything about God. What, what, where is that God when 16 of my family people died? Okay? So what I'm saying to you is, our human experience sometimes uh, interferes with our ability to really see the love of God. Because the people that we've looked up to, that we've trusted, the people that should first show us the love in a natural way, they disappoint us. So we now live scarred. We limp as a result of that relationship. And we continue to limp in life. And so when they say, God loves you, say, yeah, right. Like my father did. Yeah, right. Like my mother did. Right. Like my sister did. But I want to say to you that in order for you to experience the love of God, you must divorce yourself from the natural love you experienced or did not experience. Because if you don't divorce yourself from that, it will interfere with your ability to receive God's love. That's right. So number one, we have hard, we, we, it's hard because we, we don't see him physically. Number two, because we confuse him with, with uh, human love. And number three, it's hard for us to 
receive love because we just don't understand it. We don't understand it. We just, I mean, listen, if God don't help you, you don't understand it. If I was to ask anybody here today, how much, I, 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 how many of you love, love uh, uh, how many of you have received the love of God? Everybody raise up their hand. How many of you believe that God loves you? We all raise up our hands. I, I used to raise up two hands. But I did that without revelation. Oh, you didn't hear me. I raised up my hands, but without revelation. I'm going to share something with you right now that will help you understand if, in fact, you've received the love of God. That will be the acid test. That will be the plumb line. Yeah. The love of God. How, how can you tell? Okay, so when I say we have a hard time receiving God's love because we don't understand it. How can you explain a man like Apostle Paul who was on his way to go and kill Christians and yet Jesus appears to him and commissions him to go and save people? Does that make any sense? How can you explain the fact that the, the most the most the craziest people on the face of, that have done the most evil thing on earth okay Jesus is hanging on the cross two things on one on the left and one on the right right you read the story moments before Jesus died those things were both making fun of Jesus if you read the account very well they were making fun of him <laughs> this, this man of God, look at Reverend Napoleon. Yeah, right. <laughs> Making one of him on the cross. And in one instant, one of them says, Remember me when you get, when you enter, you get in your, uh, to paradise. If I was Jesus, you should be glad I'm not Jesus. <laughs> I would have asked God, Repent first. All the things you said about me a few minutes ago, you better recant and repent. No! Retract it. Jesus didn't do that. The instant the man said that, they said, this day you'll be in paradise. How do you understand that? How do you understand that? Your spouse offends you. For three days, you are not talking to them. You're not. Your friend does something that, that disappointed you. You, you, you. you don't speak to them again for the next day. You, you unfriend them on your Facebook. And they can't say, yeah, you need to forgive them. Ah, no, you, do you know what they did to me? Are you, 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 That's an indication you don't understand the love of God. You don't. Because when you understand the love of God, Ephesians says, me and you should love as he has loved us. How did he love us? Unconditionally. Unconditionally. Without conditions, without stipulations. Ah, but you don't understand what they did to me. No, I don't understand it, but God does. Yeah. And He says, Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. He didn't say He won't deal with it, but you don't have to deal with it. Let me help you measure how much love you have. Do you want, you want to measure your love tank? Let's close by measuring your love tank. 
In Galatians 5.22. Consider that the fruit of the Spirit is love. Is that true? Paul says, the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love. Joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. How do I know how much love I have? You look at the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. In other words, the, 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 the sum total of the Spirit is what? Love. That's what Paul is saying. That love, however, is manifested in joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So if I want to measure how much love I have in my tank, bank, are you joyful today? Check. Bank, do you have peace? They are entrenching people on my job. They are laying people off. There's war around me. There's all kinds of turmoil. Do I have peace in this situation? If you lose your peace, your love tank is low. Your love tank is low because love drives peace. How? How does love drive peace? The disciples were in the boat. On the boat. There was waves and rage and the boats was tossed around and they were scared they were scared they said oh my goodness this boat is going to capsize we're all going to die today and when jesus shows up what is it peace <laughs> when love showed up on the scene peace and calm was restored in other words when you are secured in the love of god no matter what's happening around you you are at peace you know, you know that you know that you know that God has your back. You have peace. It reminds me of a time we were on a flight from Lagos to Joss. Don't get on this flight, though. <laughs> True story. And all of a sudden, the plane entered turbulence that came straight from hell. Back, 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 back. Woo! On that aircraft, everybody started, Jesus, I repent, the blood. No joke, everybody except my wife. Everybody was screaming, Jesus, save me, I repent, I confess my sin, the blood. Now, in the United States, when you hit turbulence, the pilot would go on a PA and announce to everybody, there's turbulence. It's fine. Start fasten your seatbelt. At least it's an assurance that the pilot is still alive. <laughs> In this case, Pastor Rod, for about 10 minutes, nothing from the cockpit. Whoa. I woke my wife up. She was asleep. I said, hey, you're sleeping. <laughs> We are about to see Jesus. You are sleeping. <laughs> you see, I didn't have peace in that situation. So my love tank was low. She had peace. She was asleep. So anytime you get jittery or lose your peace, it's an indication that your love tank is low. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, endurance. When you are not able to endure,
when you are unable to long suffer, when you're always looking for instant gratification, there's something your love tank is low. It's low. Because love will assure you that no matter how long it takes, God will show up. <laughs> will show up. Kindness. Are you the, the rudest person in your office? Or do you show kindness to people regardless of their status? You know, I don't know about, about you guys here, but we specialize in showing kindness to people of esteem. Ah, Pastor Nee, this guy speaks Greek. He's driving in San Amada. Let me be kind to him. You see your brother that's on a motor scooter. He doesn't speak Greek or Hebrew. You don't think he can do anything for you, so you just ignore him. Your love tank is low. Because Jesus is not like that. He loved everybody. For God so loved the world. Everybody. So when my kindness is low, or rather, when I'm not being kind, it's an indication my love tank is low. It's time to go to God and say, God, I know you love me. Help me to show your kindness towards me to others around me. Amen. You have to be real with these things. These, these are real prayers. You will not find the kind of prayers we pray in most African churches in the, book, in, in, in the New Testament. <laughs> Prayers like, give him karate. Uppercut. <laughs> Uppercut ministries. <laughs> I mean, for, for in African context, every problem is a witch. It's a witch. There's a witch in your father's house, in your mother's house. Really? Those witches will call you to account and say, God, they've been lying on me for years. <laughs> How good are you to people? Intentionally. Father, I thank you for your love towards me today. Lord, as I go out today, thank you that you bring people around me that I can show your goodness to. That's a prayer point. When the love of God is in you and flowing in you, you make these are intentional things you want to do. You want to see happen in your life. How about gentleness? How about gentleness? When you're correcting people, to correct them in such a way that you know, there's some gentility, there's, some, there's, there's a grace with it. You don't, you don't correct them to condemn them. Because there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. You can be gentle. If you read the book of Revelation chapters 2 and 3, where Jesus was correcting the seven churches of Asia Minor, go and read it and see what Jesus did. He started by first commending them. He found something good to say about each one of them before he starts getting into the correction. He found something good to say about all of them. Last one, self-control. When you lack self-control, it's an indication that your love tank is low. Self-control. You see food, you will eat it until you see the bottom of your plate. The, your, 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 you use your hand to, 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 to carve everything. <laughs> we, had, we had a great love feast there yesterday afternoon. All of us almost lost self-control. 
we finished eating. I said, ah, is there a place to, to sleep here? <laughs> but, but are you guys getting the message? This is the greetings from Ephesus. We spent a weekend with you guys. We've seen nothing but good things. And we're taking the good report back to the United States. So much for our Pastor Rod. We want to come back next year. And our parting words to you is keep what God has given you. Stay focused. Upward. Continue to bask in the love of God towards you. That is what's going to drive everything else that God is going to do through you. Receive the love and then, re- and then give ministry. Receive the love and then give the ministry. And the way you can find out how much love you have is what, what we just did. I'm hoping that all of you saw this scripture and you already marked your own paper. You already know where you're deficient. And let me just encourage you, by the way. Let me encourage you. Say the fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. Don't let's miss that. It's a fruit, okay? So what does that mean? It's growing. That's important. Because I don't want anyone here to live condemned. No, that's not the point. The fruit of the Spirit. A fruit grows. When you sow a mango seed, it is in time. There's a time before the fruit starts coming out and ripens. So you are not going to, 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 to be perfect in God's love today. It's a work in process. A work in progress. I want you to remember that. Because I don't want you to condemning yourself or condemning others. It is a fruit. That fruit is growing in you. And growth takes time. You cannot circumvent time. You cannot pray time away. While the earth remains, there must be seed, time, and harvest. Amen. There must be seed, time, and harvest. Amen. You cannot, there's, there's no short, short version to that. There's no shortcut. So I want to help you to understand it's a fruit. It grows over time. But at least you should be aware of anything that you need to further develop. Because perfect love casts out all care. All fear. Amen? We love you. God bless you. I just want to say if there's anyone per chance that's here today that's not born again. That's not born again. You are not born again and you're here today. You have not accepted Jesus as your love and savior. I want you to know no matter how bad you've behaved or how, no matter how sinful you've been. Isaiah 1 8. The Bible says, if your sins be as uh, scarlet, it shall be as white as snow. If it's as crimson, it shall be as wool. Amen? Jesus specializes in taking broken people and transforming them. Amen. If you are not born again, this is your qualification time. Today is the accept, acceptable, acceptable moment for you. He wants to save you. Amen? He wants to expand. He wants to receive the love that he has for you. And so, Father, we thank you. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you for the greetings from Ephesus. Thank you for reminding us to be focused on your love towards us. And out of receiving that love, to give the love. I thank you for my friends, my family here in our craft family and life church. Thank you for what you've done in them, what you're doing in them, for how you're going to equip them, empower them to be a sign and a wonder to the rest of this region. I thank you, Father, for your love for them. In Jesus' name. Amen.
We hope you were blessed by this message. For more information, please visit our social media websites on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook at Family Alive Ministry. Please subscribe, follow, like, and share. God bless you and have a great week.